Listen now for this word from God. Deuteronomy chapter 12. You must demolish completely all the places where the nations whom you are about to dispossess serve their gods. On the mountain heights, on the hills, under every leafy tree, break down their altars, smash their pillars, burn their sacred poles with fire, and hew down the idols of their gods and thus blot out their name from their places. You shall not worship the Lord your God in such ways, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes as his habitation to put his name there. You shall go there, bringing there your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your donations, your votive gifts, your free will offerings, and the firstlings of your herds and flocks. And you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your household together, rejoicing in all the undertakings in which the Lord your God has blessed you. If anyone secretly entices you, even if it's your brother, your father's son, or your mother's son, or your own son or daughter, or your wife you embrace, or your most intimate friend saying, let's go worship other gods whom neither you nor your ancestors have known any of the gods of the people that are around you, whether near you or far away from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you must not yield to or heed any such persons. Show them no pity or compassion and do not shield them. This is the word of God for us. Idols. No, 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 no. Not talking about that idol, Garrett. Um, That person or that thing that we greatly admire or love. Not here to throw shade on your Beck Taylor meme page. Or that poster you've got hanging in your room of Michael B. Jordan. When I say idol... I'm talking about the idols that we look to in life, expecting them to do for us what only God can do for us. Does that make sense? It's these things that we look to in life, and we expect them to give to us what only God can give to us. We've got two main characters in this book so far. We've got God and God's people. And up until this point in the book, uh, God's people have had a really hard time with this no idols thing. God says, I want to be your God. And the people say, eh, no thanks. I think I can figure it out. Starting way back in the very first pages of the Bible, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve is standing there in front of this tree holding this piece of fruit that she, God told her not to touch. And she chooses her own wisdom to try to give herself what only God can give her. Right? She makes an idol out of her own understanding, her own pride, and she takes a bite. She gives some to Adam, who is with her. A couple chapters later, the people decide to build a tower, the Tower of Babel. 
so tall that it can reach heaven, reach the presence of God in heaven. And so they make their industriousness an idol, right? Trying to provide for themselves out of their own industriousness what really, truly only God can provide for them. And then you've got this whole golden calf scenario where the people literally melt down their gold and they make a physical structure, a physical statue of a calf to worship. They say, well, we can't really see God. God feels kind of distant, so we're going to make our own God that we can touch and that we can see and that we can actually worship in person. So they begin worshiping this idol until Moses gets kind of mad. And so... We've got Moses, and he's led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. And when we catch up to them in the book of Deuteronomy that we're studying this semester in chapel, they've finally made it. Okay, they're on the edge of this promised land. And the, this is the pla- they're looking at the place that God promised them. So this is the land you're to move into, to make a home, to flourish, to be yourself, to worship as fully yourselves in this place. This is your land. And they're standing right on the edge of it. And the only catch is that Moses is not going into the land with them. Okay, Moses, their faithful leader, who's kind of kept them on track all these years, kept them in line all these years, reminding them who they are as God's people, and he's not going with them into the land. And so he's standing here on the edge of the land with God's people, and he's giving them all these instructions for how to enter into this new season of life. Maybe similar to the speech that your parents gave you when they dropped you off at college, Right? Moses is giving them these instructions. This is how to be in this new place and to remain faithful to God. And so he begins with this command to listen, right, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and to love the Lord your God with everything that you've got. And then God says, I'm going to love you with everything that I've got. And we've got this beautiful promise between us. Right, this covenant that Forrest talked about last week. But this comes with a warning, a warning about idols. And that's what we just read this morning. Deuteronomy's call to be singularly devoted to God and to stubbornly refuse to worship anything else, anything that might tempt us to think it can give us what really only God can give us. Now, the words in our passage this morning were a little bit harsh, right? The people are told that when they get into this new land, they've got to get rid of all the places and the things that might tempt them to worship other gods. Destroy them, the voice thunders down, right? They're commanded. Does that make anybody else feel a little bit uncomfortable? The people are told this, but here's, here's just a little note that I want to say about destroying these idols and this call to destroy. Remember here who the audience is, okay? God, through Moses, is addressing God's people, right? Not addressing the people who are worshiping these idols, saying you need to destroy these places to convert them. Instead, Moses is addressing God's people and saying, look, you need to protect yourself because you are 
all too fond of making this habit of corrupting your faith with whatever you see that's glittery around you. He says, you need to protect yourself. This is not about them, this is about you. Okay, that's what's at stake here. So he says, get rid of all the idols. And in this void then, I want you to lean into the relationship that God has with you. I want you to do these extraordinary special things and stir up this affection uh, for the God who led you through the wilderness, who brought you to this place. Right? I want you to do these extraordinary and special things, but I also want you to do these ordinary things, like eating in the presence of the Lord, being thankful on a daily basis in the presence of the Lord. It says, take out these idols, and in their place, I want you to lean into this relationship, this covenant that I have with you in extraordinary ways and in ordinary ways. I... Uh, I remember getting Facebook for the first time when I was in college. And I had this super cute picture of me and my boyfriend at the time. Got a lot cuter pictures with me and Derek, I promise. But (laughs) this picture was very cute, okay? And uh, the only people that had seen this picture up until this point were our families. And so when I got Facebook and I was searching around for a profile picture for the first time, I thought, oh, perfect, this will be perfect. So I clicked and there it was. And all of a sudden, immediately, I got all this attention from all these people on Facebook. Oh my gosh, what a cute picture. You guys are adorable, you look beautiful. What a well-taken photograph, who took it? All this attention came just spilling onto my page and I sat there in my dorm room looking at my huge laptop screen, because laptops were a lot bigger then, and I felt my heart swell, right? Gosh, that feels good. And it was the beginning, as I look back, that was the beginning of this habit, this connection I was making in my brain that was allowing social media to speak into my life in a way that only God should speak into my life. Right? I made an idol out of it, and that was the beginning. So here's my question for us this morning. What have you made an idol out of? What have you made an idol out of? Is it busyness? If I just run around from thing to thing all day, if my schedule stays full, then my busyness makes me feel important. And if I look at my packed schedule, it gives me this feeling of being in control of my future, where I'm headed, when really it's God who's the one who's in control. Is it perfectionism? If I just ace all my classes, succeed in all my roles, if I'm perfect, then I will feel like I really matter, right? So I look to my perfectionism to speak worthiness into my life in a way that really only God should speak into your life. Is it sex or pornography? You look, you look to that deep need for connection and relationship, And you look to these idols, and they're never going to fulfill in the way that only God can fulfill. How about money? Maybe it's having the cool stuff. Maybe for us as a church, it's safety. If 
we just shore up our boundaries here about who's in and who's out, then we'll have a good community. Right? Or if we just avoid talking about righteousness in the world and instead just focus on righteousness in ourselves, then we don't have to get into that dicey conversation over there. Right? Let's stay safe. But really, it's God who calls us out of safety and into relationship with him. What have you made an idol out of? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And here is my invitation for you. Lent, like Steffi talked about, starts tomorrow. It's the season in the church calendar when we get to reorient ourselves, refocus ourselves on letting God be God and letting us be God's people. So is there an idol in your life that's tempting you to worship something other than God? Are you looking to something else or someone else to give to you what only God can give to you? Maybe that is what you need to fast from this Lent. Maybe that's what you need to fast from. And in the void, as you create the space in your life, fill it with wholeness. Fill it with holiness. What makes you feel connected to God? Chase after those things and find a way to let God be God over your life. To let Jesus meet your deepest needs and desires. And to let the good news of the gospel sink in to who you are and to what you do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, go now to love and serve the Lord alone, the one God, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in peace. Go in peace.